Hello. Hello. Here you go. Wait. Uh, there we go. Hello. Perfect. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I was trying to get my my AirPods to work with the computer, but somehow it didn't. So, so I'm doing it through the microphone. I hope you hear me. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. There's a little bit of echo, but hopefully I can just fix that in post. I got I got yeah. my logic skills ready to go. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, I'm just just one last try here to see if it connects. Yeah, of course. Cool. Yeah, now it does. Okay, perfect. Oh, awesome. And that that is a lot more manageable sound quality for me. Makes it, I have to spend less time in logic now, which as a composition yeah. student, I'm always looking to spend less time in logic. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> DOS is the killer of inspiration sometimes, you know, it really is. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. I'm working on the sound design for a upcoming project and everything else is done. So yeah. it's, it's been a time spending all my time yeah. in Logic and Ableton this week. But you're doing sound edits in, in Logic. That's a, that's a heroic task. I mean, the, 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 the audio like uh, editing in Logic, I wouldn't say is maybe the best. <laughs> it, it's an interesting thing. So it's for an electroacoustic work. And so yeah. a lot of the actual manipulation of sounds, um, you know, like adding distortion, echo, pan, I'm doing in Logic, but then I'm taking those samples and bringing them over to Ableton Live because I'm performing yeah. it live and I just don't trust okay. Logic with live performance. No. No. Yeah, I guess. Um, and so uh, it's, it's been really fun. I spent a lot yeah. of time this week manipulating the sounds of geese to sound like dragons. Yeah, okay, great, great. How did it go? Did it go well? I think it went well. It premieres yeah. in three weeks, so okay. hopefully it yeah. goes well. Okay. Good luck, yeah, good luck. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah. But enough about me, let's get into what we're here to talk about today, which is Morbius, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. I should I should have found a darker hoodie, but this is what I got. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so welcome to Chatting with Creators, the show where we connect music students with, you know, the people who are out there in the industry getting stuff done for people who might have not been looking at the internet the past two weeks. Would you mind introducing yourself in the project that is Morbius to the audience? Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm the composer for Morbius. I'm John, my name is John Ekstrand. I'm from, uh, I'm from Sweden uh, and I work as a composer and I worked with the director, Daniel Espinosa, who directed Morbius. I, this is our seventh film together. So shortly after you know we had the big 
literal breakthrough in the void of the Spider-Verse. Yeah. And, you know, after No Way Home and I heard about Morbius and I was so stoked because I grew up with a huge comic book nerd dad and yeah. I ran down to the basement and got out his old uh, Morbius anthologies and read up on him and then Blade got introduced and I was like, oh my gosh, I am so excited for the possibility of seeing Russian vampire fighting. Um, <laughs> what was your first impression when you found out that you were going to become not just, you know, one of the amazing people who composes for, you know, Marvel and on such a big film, but also with the Spider-Verse having come to such center scene? Was this part of, you know, your thought process when you were sculpting this film? Or did you really think of it as more of outside of this already established multiverse? No, but I, I think to answer your last question first, I think it is, it's, 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 uh, I really didn't want to do something in the Spider-Verse because this is a kind of different movie compared to that. And, and, and I think we really wanted to go more for the kind of horror aspects of the score, uh, actually from the beginning and, and, and make him more a scary anti-hero. Like we wanted to create him as a monster, uh, Actually, and, and and I think that was that was the, like the initial thing we grabbed onto and held onto uh, for a long time. Of course, there's there's superhero elements into the score also, but but it, it it's we really wanted to have this kind of dark horror score, uh, pulsating and, and and really like in the low end and and, and so on. And, and, but I mean. <clears throat> I knew about Morbius also since I was a kid and, and read comic books, you know, and, and I, I I don't have it here at home, but in the studio I have the, like one of the first Swedish Spider-Man, Sindelmannen, he's called in Swedish, when, when Morbius appeared in the first Swedish Spider-Man. I have that issue in my studio. That's awesome. So I, I, I actually got that directly when I, when I, when I got when I signed the contract for, for Morbius. My friend came over, he saw it like second hand. Uh, so. Uh, 10 out of 10 <clears throat> friends. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and, and so, so that was, that was uh, but I, I knew about the character. Uh, I didn't know that much about him. Uh, so I had to refresh a little bit about it, but, but I think he's a pretty cool character. And I always been, you know, I thought, I always thought like vampire movies, horror movies has always been like a, a genre of movies that I really liked. So, so it was it was it was really flattering and and uh, a bit surreal also to get a gig like this. It was uh, you know it was a long time I couldn't really believe it it, it was happening and and, uh, and also throughout the process it's like and also how what happened during the process all the movies you know. And, uh, the whole pandemic, everything got pushed and so on, and it just took so long. So there was a there were for a while. I, I was like, okay, this is never going to be finished. Okay, it's happening now, but it's never going to end. Now I'm just stuck in this vortex of something, you know, that it's not going to just keep me here continuously, being in Morbis. Uh, so, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, luckily that didn't happen uh, and we actually got the movie out uh, so uh, 
yeah, I'm really happy and excited about that. I think it coming out on April 1st was just, you know, the extra feather in the hat as far as deadlines being pushed. Because it wasn't originally yeah. going to come out on April 1st, but I thought it was great that it did. Yeah, yeah, no, that. But to be honest, I thought when, you know, when they sent from, what is it, 28th of January, when they sent that one, I was like, no, come on. Uh, yeah, because it, it's, it's, at least for me, when I, I think when you're, when you're working on a, on a film, it's, 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 uh, you get so, um, it's like your baby, you know, it's, it's, uh, but it's not delivered yet. So, so it's like you're, you're just carrying this baby around this baby and you just want it to be delivered. You want it presented to the world and just, so it kind of gets out of your way in a bit. Uh, so it's really hard, you know, when it when things get pushed, you know, two years, and it's still, you know, this big project is just laying there to be sent out to the world. So it, it it's 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 been a interesting like one and a half year up till now, you know, and, 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 and what's now with the release, it's, it's and it feels great that it's out. Uh, I'm a little bit saddened about the reviews, but that was kind of expected, and you know. Haters are gonna hate and, and all their things and, and, and so on. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm happy. Um, kind of, you know, jumping off of what you were saying earlier with the kind of movies you loved growing up, you've mentioned in, you know, past interviews that you were inspired by the electronic sounds of old 90s films. Well, I guess 90s yeah. films aren't really that old, but... No, but can you... 90s and 80s films. 90s and 80s films, yeah. Yeah, kind of expanding on the, that, especially since, you know, this podcast is meant for musicians to listen to, so you can get as into the weeds as you want. Can you expand about, like, what influences you were looking at and the musical strategies that you really took away from you know that listening to sculpt the patternistic themes that we get in Morbius. Yeah. No, but I, I think it's it's uh, like the big inspirations is I think from the and it's always I think for all movies but this one very much I think it's, it's I'm coming from electronic music background so I've always been into electronic music but what I really wanted to do with the score for Morbius was that I wanted to do a score that I thought would be sounding cool when I was 13, you know, uh, well, those kind of movies. Uh, but of course, with a more than touch to it. But I, I really wanted, you know, how some of the scores that I saw then, that how they influenced me. And, and, and when I grew up and all the cool movies that I thought was yeah, just really cool. For instance, you know, John Carpenter, I think uh, uh, Escape from New York and Assault on Precinct 13 is probably, yeah, it, those two scores has always followed me throughout and, and also, you know, Blade Runner and, and, and so on. But, but and then I, <clears throat> I think it was, no, but and we decided, me and Daniel, the director, we, we kind of, Decided really early also to make it like a synth heavy score. That we, that we, I have a quite big arsenal of, of old analog synths, and, and actually the approach of it is is not. 
I love. I mean, I love MIDI in 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 one way, but I hate MIDI in in, <laughs> in, in the same manner. You know, it's it's. Uh, so what I usually do is I actually record everything, uh, sort of like live in audio files, and then I have to clean up my mess and and, and fix it afterwards and see what if I have to re-record stuff and so on. Uh, you know, quantize everything. Yeah, yeah, and 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 and, and uh, of course I'm sending MIDI clock and so on, but but it's 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 the clocks and, and and stuff like that. But but I try to not do a. I think it's easier sometimes to edit audio than it is editing MIDI. So a lot of stuff is actually recorded of 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 just you know live sequencing uh, uh, and tracking directly. And I I really like that. Approach because it's it's kind of you paint yourself in a corner in a way, and I think I kind of like that because it it, it makes it a little bit harder for yourself, and, and you have to decide quite quickly if if it's good or it's bad, if I'm gonna toss this or whatever, and and I I kind of like it that it is okay. I can't do anything with this, and I think what you know, music by mistake is 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 a, a really good thing because sometimes stuff can happen, you know, and it's just that would never happen with just sitting with media when you're just, oh, wow, this is super cool. And, 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 mm -hmm. Absolutely. Did you design your own synths or did you purely use those like previously designed analog synths? No, I, 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 I have a lot of analog synths. Uh, so, so, so it's no like presets really. So everything is, 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 is tweaked with knobs and directly. I have a huge modeler also that we use. And, and uh, no, I think it's it is something about the hands-on thing that is really for me. Uh, I get it of of doing stuff inside the box, and I have a lot of friends and other composers that do that. But it's for me, I I usually just it's so much faster for me, and and I I and with soft synths, it's really easy to just be you know sitting and scrolling through presets. But when you have a hardware synthesizer in front of you, you just push in it, and then you, you know, you just have to build your own sound. And I think it is, uh, for me, it's much more a fulfilling uh, feeling when you do that. Also, I think it is uh, because then you're really like crafting the sounds. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, and I think it's a great, at least in my process, I love that part. You know, finding the sounds and you know what. I mean, of course, it's it's not that super extreme sound design sounds in this, maybe a little bit, but not, you know, we're going for more raw classic, uh, uh, old school, like 90 techno vibe uh, sounds. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think part, so I'm still pretty in the box as a composer just due to, you know, like, time and limited space due to being in college and the extent of my tech room literally being this big. It's not even yeah, my whole yeah. wingspan. But I got, I begged for this and got my own mixer um, okay, for, um, for Christmas. And I have an 88 key MIDI keyboard over there that I, I will drag over here and just like squish myself in while I'm composing. Yeah. And my friends are like, you don't need all of that stuff. I'm like, I don't need it, but it just makes it so much easier for me to like think about it when I'm yeah, like no. physically processing it versus just putting my mouse 
over a phaser in logic and like and to the right <laughs> yeah no no but it, of course and, and the people that say that you don't need it they're just jealous because they don't have it that's that's how I, <laughs> that's how i usually see it it's 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 i have a lot of friends it's like you don't need all these no i know but i really like having them and you know of course i could do everything in the box but if i have the you know the chance and and and, and the ability to do it why you know come on it's so fun to buy instruments, you know. It's, I don't only buy synthesizers. I try to buy a lot of like acoustic instruments too, and uh, it becomes like obsession in a in a bit. Uh, and I'm not really good playing any instruments. I'm I'm pretty mediocre on all on all instruments, but I play a lot of instruments. But I'm very mediocre on all of them. So so it's not a, like I'm a virtuoso on, on any instrument. But but it's it's. And I think it's fun just to. I'd grab something and just sit and when you know when you get a little bit of rider's block or something like that and just pick up something and have a fiddle on it and then, and then you know and then you're back at it yes absolutely that's why i always have my clarinet next to me i'm primarily a clarinetist when it comes to instrumentals but i also have a tenor sax that i'm me mediocre at underneath my bed yeah. And a yeah. guitar that's literally broken that I'm even more yeah. mediocre at yeah, <laughs> under yeah, my yeah, bed. Yeah. It's just no, nice to have, you know, that physical inspiration. Yeah, no, totally. No, I have, you know, that I, I was, I started off uh, playing the clarinet. That's how I started getting yeah. into music. So, I, yeah, so I played clarinet from since I was like seven until uh, I was. 12 or something like like 13 maybe when it wasn't cool to play clarinet anymore i quit you know i just it's, <laughs> you know everybody else was playing guitar or or or, or, or uh, and i was really into rock when i was a kid also you know uh, not that much anymore but but when i started playing the clarinet i was a lot into rock because my brain could probably listen to that but <clears throat> and yeah. you don't hear much clarinet in rock <laughs> so that's that's why I quit too. I continued with uh, clarinet because I was in ballet, and so it gave yeah, me okay. a very unrealistic standard of what most clarinet music is like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "This is the coolest thing ever!" And we're like, "Awesome! You will never get to actually play it." <laughs> like, no, no, exactly. No. <laughs> well, away from you know, all the equipment I definitely don't need underneath my bed. Um, no. Getting back into Morbius, something that's really cool with the story and the score is you're given this unique task of having the same character, but really having to separate between who they are as a human slash humanoid being and being just like a complete, for lack of a better word, monster. How is that something, you know, you get to tackle in the score and how did you think about it as you were writing it? Oh, but I, I think we really, really wanted to play, portray Morbius as a monster. I mean, he is a monster in a way, you know. Everything he does is kind of questionable, you know, even when he's a doctor, you know, it's, 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 he's experimented with that. That's good timing for, you know, for a pandemic that was probably broken up from somebody eating uncooked bats so and coming up right after the batman there. yeah exactly no so so it's 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 really it's uh i think it was um 
because he's such a questionable character in that sense, you know, with his, with with doing like offshore uh, experiments and with mixing bat DNA with human DNA and so on. He is that kind of like a Dr. Frankenstein in a way, doing like unethical experimentation. Uh, of course, for curing himself, but then we see how what happens, you know, and and so we really wanted to make him a monster from from almost the, you know from the beginning of the movie you know and, and, and really to put that in and how he's also evolving and, and how you know this dark thing inside of him and so on and, 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 and uh, yeah honestly when i was you know starting to learn more about the film i was most excited when i found out Matt Smith was going to be in it because in my mind he will always be the 11th doctor yeah and yeah. so just the idea I know and he doesn't play the 11th doctor explicitly in this film but just no. the idea of the doctor interacting yeah. with Morbius not as you know his most monstrous being but like who he is as an experimental yeah. uh, scientist was just like the most mind-blowing thing to me i was like this is going to be a great interaction and you know despite all the other things about the film matt smith i just loved the way like his entrances were coinciding with the changes in the score and the way it was you know just done with all the characters, how the score would change, but specifically, probably just because I put him on such a pedestal, yeah. <laughs> the bravado of Matt yeah. Smith. Yeah, no, no, he's he's great. I mean, I, I and it was so fun, you know, working all of the scenes that are in and writing for him. It's it, 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 it's fantastic. I think he's a great actor, and and uh, of course everybody's going to see this, but I, in my opinion, I think he plays the pan. Of Jared Leto, I think he's uh, he's almost stealing in the show in in, in a way. You know? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's a pretty cool uh, guy personally. Also, I met him when I was on set uh, visiting, and, and yeah, he's he's a super cool dude yeah. who's really into electronic music also. Uh, really? Yeah, no, you- really. Can you tell us more about that, about like, you know, getting to go visit the set and stuff like that? Because, you know, that's not super standard when it comes to film composing. Usually, you know, you get your footage after it's been shot. Yeah, but it, of course, and it, it's a little bit special when you know the director and you work with the director so much. Uh, I can't go to set on all the movies that I work on, but, uh, but I... I really like that because, you know, I come from a sound engineer and, and sound design background. So I worked on set as a boom operator when I started, when I was like 20, uh, 1920, I started off as a boomer. Uh, and uh, I kind of missed that thing. Also, so for me, it's, it's, it's uh, no, I really, really like going to set them, you know, okay. Can see that those stuffs are new, new things they're getting. You know, so you can really see how how what's happening and how the how also the shooting has evolved for the last twenty years and so on. So it's, it's uh, no, I really appreciate. It. I think it gives a feeling also, and I think it's good also to to nobody in this 
not in a sales point, but it, but to show yourself also that you are a composer. I'm part of this. You know, you're not just a post-production. You know, it's 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 to show yourself for because usually you never meet the producers that much during post-production. If you want to meet the producers, go to the set because they're gonna sit in the tent and they can have time to just talk to you and so on. So I think it is a good of just especially if you're if you have the ability and and if it's a uh, one the first time you work with somebody, go to go to set and meet them and talk to the producers. Get the social vibe and that kind of thing going. That's only going to help you when it's your turn to start working, or, or uh, you, you know, so 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 uh, to have a good relation and a good contact with. Oh yeah, absolutely. And just like to me, just the idea of I'm the kind of person who goes around with my little mics all the time for the sake of yeah. possibly recording something that could be yeah. cool, and like. Yeah the potential of like going to the set and recording something that happened on set and putting it into the score just sounds like yeah. so much fun to me though probably signing myself up for much more work than is necessary <laughs> yeah no no but it, it, i think that's good because it's, it, i think those things are really good even if you put put yourself into more work than than than, 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 than it probably should but but i think it's a good thing because it, it's going to give inspiration it's going to give something unique to the score if you do stuff like and and uh, and also the good thing about having a microphone and going recording stuff because it's yeah it's I've done that a lot too. Uh, I haven't done it the last like five six years since I lost my I had this Zoom recorded that I had in my bag always and, and all of that wherever I went I had it and recorded stuff. Uh, unfortunately, I lost it and I haven't bought a new one, so I'm a little, I've been a little bit yeah on the lazy side a lot. Well, now that things are opening up again, you know, realm of possibility. Yeah. I'm an intern yeah. right now, and my boss gave me just like this little condenser mic that I can plug into yeah. my phone, and now yeah. it's just like always in my pocket. Yeah. No, I'm and, like, and, and, oh, know, that it, train it, sounds really cool. No, but in the world, you know, with the new iPhones and so on, the internal microphone of just recording stuff. If you just kind of record something, it's pretty good. I mean, I've been doing stuff that I'm actually. Took in and, and you know re like process in a computer and you can't tell you know, what, it, what it is recorded with. So, what was your favorite part of the score to really you know get into the sound and just like sculpt it for Morbius? No, but I, <clears throat> one of my favorite sounds is this kind of old uh, uh, alarm sound techno Hoover kind of pitch. That it's coming back a lot in in in, in the score. I, I, that's one of my favorite sounds uh, in the whole score, and and really sculpting those kind of things was a, a lot of fun because it's it's yeah just just the sound that I really really like hearing, and I think it's cool because it's really like this. For me, it's like yeah, early nineties techno hoovers uh, like the prodigy and and and, and so on. It's, 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 yeah, uh, that was a lot of fun. And I used the EMS, I, I used the EMS Synthi, which is like a British made synthesizer, which is it's in a briefcase. So it's, uh, and it's, it's hand built and it's from the 70s. And, and Pink Floyd used it on, on uh, Dark Side of the Moon album. It's this, it costs as much as a car almost, but it, it's great on doing alarm sounds. And space farts. It's the best. <laughs> Perfect. 
on the other side of that coin, what do you think was the most challenging part of this project? What was the thing that just like made you angry that you had to do it, but you got it done? I mean, I think it was the logistics of actually uh, uh, working during the pandemic was probably the hardest thing. And, and uh, yeah, no, that was definitely the hardest thing because you didn't know. Uh, it's so hard because I was sitting in Sweden and <clears throat> I had I have one assistant, Kirsten Evans. Uh, that's, and, and then I have another guy called Tarek who helped me a little bit of, of doing like a couple of booms and, and, and a little bit of drum programming also. But that's basically it. Uh, so I write, I write all the music myself. I, nobody else writes anything. Uh, so it is a lot of work. And it's a lot of fast changes when you do big studio movies. So it is, uh, it's very helpful to have a big team then, but I don't. So it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work. And, and especially when, you know, you don't really know how the schedule is going to be because of the pandemic. So you were just, you don't know how the next three months or three weeks are going to be. Like, do I have to go to LA and record in three weeks or are we pushing it again? And, you know, it's, it's, so that was really, I think that was one of the most, most frustrating things of not knowing, you know, because then getting a work visa for me going to LA to record, it was, was also like a huge uh, problem because the US embassy was shut down in, 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 in it was locked down in, in, in Sweden. So I couldn't get a work visa and I had to go to London, but then as a Swede, I couldn't come into London because there was a lockdown and they didn't want to allow any Swedes in. So, you know, it was just this, yeah. But finally, we, we managed to get it. But it, I think I got the visa approved three days before I was supposed to leave for recording. So we didn't know up until then. So, you know, and the, just the worry of, of doing this big film and not being able to go for the recordings and doing that remote with a you know nine hours uh, time push you know, yeah, that wouldn't have been fun so so it was a, i think that was definitely the hardest uh, thing so if somebody you know they went they saw morbius and they're like oh i really love the score but i don't really want to go see morbius again right now uh what of your previous work would you tell them hey go look this up and go watch that um then I definitely would say there's a movie called Queen of Hearts, uh, which is a Danish movie, which is a super minimalistic score. It's it's something completely different to Morbius. Uh, and I think it's one of the movies that I'm most proud of to have worked on. It's it's a it's 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 a really heavy story. I mean, it's so dark. It's, it's <laughs> you know, no, it's it's really it's a really depressing movie, but it's great. It's really great. We won the Sundance Festival. Um, it won a lot of different big festivals. Uh, yeah, it's just a great film. It's a great Danish drama film and something completely different to Morbius. And I'm really just happy how that I got to do that movie. Uh, 
and also what that led to in, in Scandinavia also for me. Because I, I mean, I'm coming from art house movies. That's the thing. So it's mainly because of Daniel is doing big studio movies. I get to do this kind of big. So I, I mean, I'm I'm coming. Um, if you listen to that score and compare it to Morbius, it's it's definitely two different worlds. Then I did a movie called um, Margaret, Queen of the North, also, which is also a Danish movie, which is a medieval film. I never done any medieval music or score ever, and that was a. Um, that's also something completely different, but that was a lot of fun also. Uh, I really work like working with Danish films. I think it, they make better movies than Swedes. And, and <laughs> yeah, basically, I think they make the, some of the best movies in the world right now. So, so I'm really happy working with Danish films. Well, I'll have to check it out. I got two flights I'm taking on Friday. Should I should download them, check them out on the plane. Yeah, 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 do that, do that. Uh, no, and uh, I don't see Queen of Hearts on the plane. Yeah, no, you don't don't see it with your parents. Don't see it with, on a plane. <laughs> it's, it's it's a little bit of too much nudity and so on, but it's 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 uh yeah. Noted, it's, uh, noted. Okay, I won't watch that yeah, one yeah. on the plane. It might not go well yeah, for no, me, but yeah, no, noted. No, no, because no, no, they, they can probably come and like no, no, you can't. Perfect. Well, that's all the questions I have for you today. This is something I'm doing uh, new with this uh, third season now of my podcast. Uh, do you have a question you would like to ask me as I'm, you know, coming out of my senior year of music school? Yeah. What are your plans? What, what are, are my plans? What are your goals? So I am planning to go get my master's degree in arts administration because I want to start a community-centered nonprofit towards the production of new music and new art that really caters to students. And, you know, a lot of that kind of business aspects that go into running that part of music, I didn't learn in my music composition degree. So that's why I'm going to go get my master's. Where yet is to be decided, um, and it will be decided by next week, because okay, April 15th wow. is the deadline. Yeah, wow. um, but I'm going to keep composing, and I'm going to still keep doing, you know, like art house films as I, you know, as I come along, because I love composing. But what I really want to do is take music back to the grassroots level and help start growing it from there. Great. That sounds big. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, good luck. I mean, really, uh, that's something really, um, yeah, that has a meaning, <laughs> you know, that is, uh, no, no, but it's, it's something else, you know, and, and instead of composing, because composing, you know, it, it's, what is that? You, I mean, of course, you give, bring people joy and so on, going watching movies, but here you're really helping people out. I think that really I, mean, I truly believe music yeah. is a good way to do that. <laughs> No, but totally, and I think it's really noble of you. Uh, and I think it is, uh, but I think you should uh, focus also on composing because I think we need uh, female female composers. It's 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 such a uh, yeah, it's so uh, strange how it's divided uh, that it's such a male run. I mean, the whole movie industry is just male. You know, driven and, and I think it's that has to change uh, and I think I think it was so great that 
that Hildur got the when she got Oscars, it's 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 really uh, it was a big game changer, and I think it is, uh, and I think it's going to change more. That is going to happen because and you can just see now since since she got that one, it's so many female composers coming through and, and scoring big things now. So I think it's it's that's great. Absolutely. So the composing is. Could oh, never, never. I if I stopped no. composing, I would probably just like lose my soul. Like yeah. composing is always going to be one of the biggest parts of my being. I'm actually getting ready yeah. to record an EP right now, and I got um, a recital in oh gosh three weeks, and I'm so okay. excited for it. I have um, a song from one of the like title song from one of the films I did. That's going to be on it. I have a 24 minute thesis piece with a rapper and a narrator on it, along with lighting design that's going to turn, be turned into a music video that I'm really excited about and just so oh, much cool. more. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll send you the link. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Do that. I would love to hear it. Fantastic. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, John. Have a thank great you rest of your me. evening. Yeah. Of course. And, uh, thank you for having me and, and uh, good luck. And, and, uh, Keep it real. <laughs> Got it. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Yeah, have a good one. Bye. as whimsy was sucked dry from the womb of our homeland. We watched as stream turned to gulch and mountains gasped the loss of spell-like air. We watched as our homeland was destroyed by your uncaring cataracts. Catacombs became our home. Just the same stalked high your soul and found you easeful, unprepared and ignorant. Your pathetic, prophetic desires made you vulnerable, unfound, and lost to the heaven you 